Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exists, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I'm the lead pastor of Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall, the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist in Stratford. How's it going, Tim? It is going well. This is a gorgeous day, followed by multiple gorgeous days. No. Things are good. It's funny how, you know, how much the weather can really have a positive effect or negative effect on your mood, you know? I was out uh, yesterday doing one of our youth videos and I just took a chair and put it out in the field and just sat in the grass because <laughs> I just wanted to soak up as much sunlight as I could. And I know. Uh, it was great. I like, it's been so good. Been getting out for walks and stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. funny because we, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how, you know, we just go from like winter to summer and that's just so totally it's true. Happened. Yeah. Like yeah. a couple of weeks ago we had like a dusting of snow. And now it's like 36 degrees with the Humidex. Like, it's just nuts. And you know what? I, I got to say, <clears throat> I was thinking about this this morning uh, when I walked past uh, Alexa and was looking at the screen there. It, and it gave the weather forecast. And then there was a heat advisory. And I thought for all of the Canadians who like to laugh when it snows in, in places like Arkansas, where I'm from, Right. And say, oh, you people don't know how to drive in it or whatever, right? <laughs> that you would give that you would give heat advisories, like what, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, you know, just like 26 degrees or whatever in Celsius. Come on. Come on. Does it get as humid down there, though? Oh, way worse. Way really? worse. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I yeah. never thought that. Okay. You, you didn't invent humidity. No, I just thought, I always, <laughs> I always thought because we're so close to the lakes or something. I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. No. <laughs> no. In fact, I remember when I was at university, we had, uh, I worked on a farm. That's how I paid my way through. They had a, uh, the university had its own self-sustaining farm. Okay, um, cool. So I was working on that farm and we had some exchange students. One was from Kenya and the other was from Jamaica. And uh, after their first year of school, they transferred out because they were just like, I don't know why anyone lives in Arkansas. It's way too hot. I'm out of here. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of hot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we so, should probably get into our, uh, our study today as much as we Days would. 162 to 168. That's right. Yeah. In the Blue Letter Bible Chronological Reading Plan. Nice. You got that down really great now. <laughs> I've been working on it. Sometimes I just sit in front of the mirror and practice. Bible, Bible, Bible. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, this is an interesting time. A lot of times we, when we talk about Israel, we talk about them as, by their mistakes, yep. and their struggles. We spend a lot. There's, the cringe factor on this podcast has been very high. Mm -hmm. Today's not that day. No. No, this is a high point. This is like there's the high water stuff. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many great things happening right now in the history of Israel um, that we're going to read about this week. I mean, the construction of the temple, the, just the expansion of the kingdom, which we referred to last week that had happened. I mean, you know, at this point, Israel is way bigger than, uh, than it is even today. And, mm. uh, and I mean, they've got, you know, money and wealth coming in from all the other various kingdoms. And that some of that is being used then to build this temple that, uh, that Solomon is building. 
and uh, yeah, it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of celebration. It, it's summertime, you know, it's, it uh, is. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yeah. The, there, there's just this overwhelmingly optimistic mode in this. And, and I know that some people are, are going to have a tendency to want to read this in such a way that they're like, oh, this is just like the description of the tabernacle that we read about in, you know, through the law. And it's a lot of dimensions and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't read it that way. Mm. To me, this, and you know what it might be? It might be <laughs> what we were saying earlier that the sun is out and is warm and we're in better moods and we were reading <laughs> through the tabernacle in winter. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe we have to, we're products of our own environment and that's affecting our reading. Uh, but when I, when I was reading through this, man, I was excited for them, right? You like, if there was going to be a Disney animated musical kind of thing, that's what's going on here, right? Like people just building and singing and everyone sort of like choreographed in all of their work and in their conversation and everything. It just feels like things are really looking up. And, and so when we were talking about the forests, uh, you brought up the idea of God's faithfulness, that this mm-hmm. is what God's faithfulness to his people and their faithfulness to him looks like in an old covenant, right? Yeah. This is what it was supposed to be from the beginning. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the, the blessings that come along with that, right. With that, um, that faithfulness that, that, that God has towards his people and vice versa. Right. We just see, we see promises being fulfilled, right. We see, we see, you know, abundance and we see joy and all of these wonderful things, right. This is, yeah, this is, this is just such a, a high point in, in, Israel's history. And I think it's, it's nice to kind of, to kind of see that, right? Because, um, spoiler alert, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to be like this for long. Um, but we can see that there is a, there is a time when, when things are going right. And, uh, it's encouraging to see. Yeah. So let's get into the trees of it all, right? It, it starts with the simultaneous building of the temple and Solomon's house. Mm-hmm. And this is spare no expense building. Oh yeah. Right? Like they're they're not they're not, you know, price matching or anything like that. They are <laughs> like the way this is described is just I, it's not even next level. Whatever is after next level, mm. that's what this place is, right? Oh yeah. The cherubim are massive and then covered in gold. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. All of the all of the work that's being done uh, is not only being done in a way that is going to be visually pleasing, but it even talks about the fact that it's being done in a way that like the process of it is, is not disrupting the community. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not making so much noise that everyone in the community is just like, Oh, this is annoying. Right. They're going out of their way to say, we're going to build with these materials because they are the best materials. They look amazing. And they're sawn with saws, so they're not just completely crushing stone all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're so like they're, they're preparing these materials outside of the city, and then yeah. in, and then you can I you could just visualize right, like these carts being pulled in with these massive, perfectly cut stones, and just every day there's just more of them getting piled up, more of them getting piled up, right? And then that's done, and then they they're lining the inside with the cedar and the you know, then they're then they're plating everything with gold it's just like gold this and gold like it's just like <laughs> i don't know where these gold mines were but they, they, were, deep, <laughs> they were deep gold mines for sure um yeah is it so, only because of the age of my kids that i see this as sort of like a, a disney cartoon with 
No, I can totally see that. Choreography. Yeah. Okay. A whistle okay, while you work. I'm thinking like seven dwarfs. Like, you know, they're just like chipping away and getting the jewels and getting the gold, right? They're just loving life. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, yeah. No, I totally see that. That's great. <laughs> and the Psalms that come along with this are the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. The Psalms that, that are going to be written in this, in this time period throughout it, there's not a lot of lament as we no. see in a lot of Psalms. No. Everything is rejoice and excitement mm -hmm. and good is the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so, so things are really going well. When we talk about this temple, some will say that this is a precedent for what the house of worship is supposed to look like. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been to Eastern Europe. Uh, I've, spent, I've spent a little bit of time in Eastern Europe. Uh, it started off my, my missionary work in South America, and the cathedrals in South America are just gorgeous mm. uh the, the catholic church here in stratford is a beautiful place beautiful building yeah um but the eastern orthodox church <laughs> in across russia especially the ones in moscow mm. and in the ukraine in odessa ukraine they are not like this because i mean come on but just the the roofs gilded in gold, mm -hmm. uh, the columns inside, you know, laced in gold. Why don't our churches look like this? <laughs> um, well, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, there are, there are some that <laughs> maybe kind of do, uh, not, not around, not ours and not so much around here, but, uh, I think the priority of, um, how our how our funds are spent have have changed, right? I think here here's here's an interesting thing. So um, I know that foreign missions makes up a large portion of our church spending, and and in Baptist churches in general, um, along with some other denominations that are close to us, right? So the temple was this place that this was the place where God dwelled, and we were going to people were going to travel from around the world to come to this place because that's where he dwelt. Right. But now it's like the, the mandate for the new Testament church has been kind of turned inside out. And so now it's, it's a, it's a go, it's a, it's a go type thing. Not, not that we shouldn't have, you know, places to gather that are well, well kept and well taken care of and serve the purposes we have for them. But it's not, you know, we're not trying to get people from foreign nations to travel to Stratford to come to NBC. You know, we mm -hmm. want to see churches get planted there. And, and so I think that's part of it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a reversed um, kind of way to evangelize, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think the difference uh, in that can, can kind of be summed up. And we, we talked about this quite a bit, uh, but I think this is another great example that the old covenant was a covenant with a physical nation mm. for physical blessing. Yeah. So that other people would see that and inquire about the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And then Christ comes and says all of that physicality was supposed to be or was uh, simply imagery pointing to a greater spiritual reality. Right. And that the new covenant that we have is a spiritual reality, which is a deeper reality than a physical reality. And, uh, and Christ doesn't call us to that kind of abundance. Instead, he does kind of the opposite with it, right? Instead of calling us to abundance, he calls us to a life of sacrifice, a, a life of 
of sharing and caring. And we're, we're going to point out in the Proverbs that was also supposed to exist in Israel yeah, um, amongst the friends and enemies. Uh, but at the same time, the way that that looks in the New Testament is very different. So uh, again, people want to get into these, these, sometimes will people get into these really big debates, right? Does a church need to be just a draw, jaw dropping in, in size and in glory in mm-hmm. order to express this is a house of worship? Yeah. <laughs> or do we just need to rent storefronts and throw up folding chairs so mm. that we can send all of our money to other things? Mm. Um, to be perfectly fair, the Bible doesn't really talk about either one in a New Testament mm-hmm. way. Um, but I do think it's fair to say this is not prescription mm. for what a place of worship is supposed to look no. like. And I have like a, I have a one minute funny story about this whole kind of conversation we're having because Candace and I traveled to Rome a couple of years ago and uh, we spent a day at the Vatican and you go into St. Peter's Basilica, which is like their main church in, in the Vatican. And it's, it's opulent. I mean, they had these marble pillars made of this particular type of marble. And, and I remember the guide said virtually all of that specific type of marble in the world is here. Like they took it all. Like mm-hmm. it, he's like, it, it's, it's that you can't put a price tag on it because it's all there. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is that that was, that was built kind of during the reformation and shortly thereafter, which arose out of in part, you know, Martin Luther being like, Hey, this whole, thing where you're making people pay money for the forgive for the forgiveness of their sins that's not really okay and then there was this huge schism. i mean that was one conversation but there was this huge schism and in response the roman catholic church was like well we're going to show you how we're the real church we're going to build an even bigger church that's even more beautiful and even more expensive so can't you tell that we're the real deal and it's just so funny because that was kind of it was that mentality that really led to the fissure initially but i just remember kind of shaking my head at it thinking wow but i mean it's beautiful don't get me wrong it's gorgeous it took a lot of pictures right yeah yeah Yeah. so one of the things you wanted to point out uh in all of this the goodness that's going on is a prayer of solomon let's talk about it so when when in first kings eight when uh there's there's actually a series of prayers but uh, i'll read just part of one starting in verse 55 and uh And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promises, Mm -hmm. which he spoke by Moses, his servant, the Lord, our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. That these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night, and may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and there is no other. Let your hearts therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. So nice. we, yeah, we kind of get this, yeah, we get this great summary of like Solomon being like, okay, we did it, right? We, 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 we built the temple. We, we, um, you know, we come to where God wants us to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And now people from all over the world are going to see 
that he is the real God because of what he has done in and through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. And, and in doing it, he doesn't, he doesn't go through and, and you, like Nebuchadnezzar later on is going to step back and be like, look what I built. Look what I did. Uh, but that's, that's not the place that Solomon takes. Uh, instead, he takes the exact opposite route. And he says, look what God has done. God has been faithful to bring about his promises. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that was kind so, of a bit of a highlight for me, just kind of in, in those, in that section of prayers, just kind of him um, just recognizing how good God has been and that, and that this, this wonderful situation they're in can continue if they remain faithful to him. Yeah. And also inside of that narrative, um, there's, there's this prayer or, or this statement right? That, that people like to use a lot today. And, and I think it's, it's a good statement for us to look to. It's talking about the value of our repentance. Um, but I, I don't think it's always being used in the context that it needs to be used in. And maybe we can, maybe we can lean into that a little bit mm. uh, because, because there's, there's reason to keep things in context, right? I, I've been having this conversation uh, to, with someone that, that they were saying, well, the, so the, their idea is that the, when the Bible talks about, in First Peter, Satan prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, that, I, that, that can be used as a universal truth and placed at any point in our lives, sure. right? Fine. And so pulling that out of its context doesn't matter because it's true right? The point, though, is application, right? Mm -hmm. Not the statement of truth, but what do we do about that? And how do we respond? That is going to be what follows and what we need to keep inside of its context, because we can respond in our flesh, or we can respond in the truth that God has for us. And so, context really matters, and we have to cling to uh, the value of context. And so, in this particular statement, uh, what we get is the idea that if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will hear them and I will heal their land. Right. Right. That is a fantastic promise. Yeah, it is. And it's something that we should be excited about. And it's something that we should learn from and cling to. But I think we have to do that in context. Yeah. Right. So the context, what does that look like? Well, again, as we've mentioned before, right, the old covenant context, the nation of Israel, this is a physical nation, right? With a physical mm-hmm. land, physical em- enemies, physical promises of abundance, right? Like, like the, the reward for obedience was bountiful crops, right? And success in warfare. It, I mean, that those were the promises and those were the things that mattered most at that time in history too, right? Like you wanted right. your crops to grow and you wanted to beat your enemies in battle. And if you could do those two things, you're living large. And so that, that kind of encapsulates a lot of what um, the promises for the Old Testament nation of Israel were really about. That has now shifted. That is no longer the case, right? The, the, the church, we're not a physical 
nation. We're a spiritual nation, right? Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily, I mean, we might own little, little pockets of land <laughs> for our church right. properties. Right. We're, we're not, we don't, we don't form, you know, governments. We don't have a physical army. Um, yeah. And so we can't just, you know, take that out of that context and just drop it wholesale into ours. And neither should we, I think, dissect sections out of that passage and try to tie that into our context and then leave out others and say, okay, well, you know, these physical blessings, we want to, we want to still hold on to the promises for the physical blessings, but we're okay to disregard the physical curses that that you know come from right. disobedience, right? Like we'll we'll take the healing our land, but we won't take the being carried away off into exile, right? And so right. we have to we have to you know use our understanding of covenant theology to reinterpret these things in our own context a little bit. Yeah, and, and you talked about the the downside of that. Um, that if you don't, then you are going to be invaded. You're going to be dragged off to exile all that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think what can happen is even the best of churches that would take this section and, and sections like it and try to apply it directly into a New Testament co- or a New Covenant uh, and New Testament understanding, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be walking a dangerous line with prosperity gospel, right? If you will worship me, I will give you stuff. If you will not worship me, I will not give you stuff. I want stuff. I will worship Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And so, and so that's, that's a really dangerous thing. So, so how does it, if we're going to say that we have to be careful to keep it in context, but still cling to it, what does the cling to it look like? Mm-hmm. I, I think the best way to interpret this passage, uh, give me the address really quickly, just so that people know it. I don't have it right uh, in front of second me. Second Chronicles 7. There you go. Yeah. Um, the best way to interpret this, in my opinion, is to read the seven churches of Revelation. Mm. I think if you read the seven churches of Revelation, then you understand how this applies, right? Here we have churches that, that some of them seem to be doing pretty well. Some of them quite obviously from all aspects are not doing well. Uh, one of them is fine. Um, but, but when you read that, you see that what, what the, the angel is saying to that church is you have been given your charge as the church. You have to complete your charge with your heart consecrated and humbled before the Lord, or you will re- lose your lampstand. Yeah. That's what we lose. The, the lampstand, that we would be the light in the community, the representatives of Christ in this world. Uh, this is in part why churches die. Right. Right? Unfaithful churches will die because at least spiritually, they might be able to cling on physically, right? They might have enough donors or uh, a large enough denomination contributing into it to keep doors open. Mm -hmm. But why churches die spiritually is because the lampstand is removed when people are not humbling themselves before the Lord Mm -hmm. and are not uh, living according to all that I have commanded you, as Jesus would say, um, in the great commission. And for that, they lose their lampstand. They, the Holy spirit, I would say the Holy spirit would remove himself from that presence in the same way that he did with Saul. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that would be the loss. But, but if the church would recognize their sin individually, corporately humble themselves, 
he will be faithful to heal them, mm-hmm. to heal their church, and to spiritually heal the wounds that have, have taken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's where this rests. I, I don't think that it means if more people pray, our local economy is going to be better yeah. or our national economy or national security is going to be increased mm-hmm. or that we're going to lo- get rid of COVID if more people pray. I, I don't think that that's what it's saying. Maybe in an old covenant concept, mm-hmm. all of those things would be true. But in a New Testament church, it's going to be something about the spiritual health of the church and whether or not the Holy Spirit is vibrant and active amongst the ministries and the peoples of that church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the key, the key aspect of the, of that prayer and that promise is, as you mentioned, this position of humility is necessary. Mm -hmm. It is a necessary position that we ought to have before God, particularly uh, as it relates to our sin. And, uh, you know, this is just real with me because I just, I literally taught the, that was the youth lesson yesterday, right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> you know, if if we're if we're going to refuse to be humble before Him, uh, that the removal of that lampstand is uh, is a very real and present danger for for the church. Yeah, I agree. Let's jump to Proverbs twenty five and twenty six. Cool, because there is so much here to chew on mm-hmm. that these themselves, not not like together, could be their own podcast. They could each individually. <laughs> be a podcast. This is just some brilliant stuff in Proverbs 25 and 26. Mm-hmm. So on, on the day that you would come to this, you, you're going to need some time, right? We're in the podcast. We're ahead of what people are actually reading if they're following along in, in the reading plan. Uh, and if you, if you want that printable resource, that reading plan, uh, you can find that at, at our, uh, on our resource page at in Uh, but on the day that you get to this, you need to carve out a little bit of time in order to be able to spend that here because there is just some gold here. Uh, and it starts, it starts at the very beginning, right? After we hear these are the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, which have been copied. Uh, you see, it is the glory of God to conceal things. Mm but the glory of kings is to search things out. How? Yeah. That, that God would be unsearchable, that there would be no end to our ability to seek new things from him mm. is his glory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, just like the glory, you know, not to get, overly Louis Giglio on you, but just like the glory of space is that it just keeps going. Yeah. It's vastness is just, it, it cannot be uh, known in full. Right. Uh, in the same way, that's the glory of God. Yeah. That it just, there's so much of him that it just cannot be contained. That is his glory. And our glory is to know as much as we can about him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I personally, I think this is going to be, you know, a significant element of our eternal state, right? Is mm-hmm. going to be growing in our, 
understanding and love and appreciation for the things of God. And because he is an infinite God, we have an infinite amount of time to search him, right? And so that process begins in the here and now, um, and I believe will be kind of uh, expanded and we will be uh, unhindered in in Mm -hmm. our searching uh, in that eternal and perfected state. But that's something that I look forward to. Um, yeah, we don't want to get overly eschatological here, Sorry, but, yeah. <laughs> but some people are going to ask a question. They're going to be like, Oh, you mean we're still going to be learning in heaven? We're not going to be, uh, perfect in our, in our knowledge. I, I think there's a good reason to believe that we'll still be growing like mm-hmm. in a perpetual state of growing. Um, we're not going to become gods in such yeah. a way that we would be limitless, um, in yeah. our, our wisdom and knowledge. Um, so yeah, I, I think. I think that God would be um, would be continually ex- exposing His glory and righteousness and holiness to His people, and that we would continually be amazed by it and in awed by Him, and continually, perpetually seeking Him uh, is going to be much of of what we practice in many different ways yeah. in our heavenly state. Yeah, I just uh, love that. Uh, that idea that it is, I, I just see in that God being, you know, like two or three steps ahead of us, just sort of calling us on, come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And for, for all those who would say, oh, well, if you, if you spend too much time in doctrine uh, and in theology, it actually hinders your faith. Uh, that, that really bugs me. I, I have to say, the more I study, the more I appreciate the person of God. Mm-hmm. And it seems, according to scripture, according to Proverbs 25, it seems that the more we study and the more we explore theology and the things and the, the person and the plan of God, the more God likes it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some great stuff even later. And so in Proverbs 25, I'm just reading uh, kind of almost a Matthew 18 principle. Verse 9 and 10, argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret lest he who hears you brings shame upon you and your ill repute have no end, right? Just the, just the simplicity of like, hey, if you got a problem with somebody, just go to them, like, you know, talk, talk to them and, and don't, you know, don't bring in, don't bring in, you know, drama from, from, from other situations and, and gossip, right? Just is the, the mm-hmm. best way to handle something is just directly, um, yeah. I love seeing things that are just like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this. The, the, seeing the consistency of scripture, right, is always something that I, I love to see. Yeah, trusting in the treacherous man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. Mm. Ooh, because, because there are times when we would say, I know this isn't the right way, but you know what? Desperate times, desperate measures. Mm. And Solomon says, no, no, no. Desperate times, desperate measures is not a thing. Be patient, wait upon the Lord, trust in his good plan and his all loving, all loving self, his way. Um, 20, we both, we both pointed out verse 20. Uh, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like (laughs) one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so this idea, this idea of just sort of like burying your head in the sand and just being like, I'm not paying any attention to this. 
Mm. I'm going to ignore the gravity of this moment. Uh, I'm just going to allow myself to be ignorant and blissful uh, to what's going on. He's like, you only make, you're only making it worse, right? Mm. You're, you're not helping yourself. You're just exposing yourself to the cold. Right. How about uh, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Right. The, oh, this yeah. concept of, of loving enemies, right? This is not, I, I want to like, I know we touched on this back when we were going through the law, but like this idea of loving enemies was not a, was not a new thing in the, in the new Testament context, right? This is, this is, this was not a, a novel teaching. This was, you know, something that was expanded upon and emphasized by Christ and his teaching but this was still part of, of both the law and the wisdom literature of Old Testament Israel was like, just, just because you're at odds with someone, you are still compelled to um, serve them and, and meet their needs, even if they're an enemy. So um, yeah, I just love to see that yeah, stuff yeah. poke its head out in, in Old Testament. Right. And, uh, and, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to point out a quick thing here just because you brought that out. Um, this is Bible translations matter. Uh, and, and sometimes what people will do is they'll talk here about, uh, when you do this, you pour heaping coals on his head. What does that mean that you pour heaping coals on his head? I don't understand what that means. Right. You know what, to be fair, uh, there are, there are a lot of, a lot of conversations about what that could mean. Mm. What does it mean? I always heard, I, I've heard it said two ways, heaping coals of kindness or heaping coals of shame, right? Mm. The NLT is going to try to explain this for you, heaping coals of shame. Okay. Those words are not there yeah. in, in the original language, right? That's an interpretation. Right. Um, that, that's where I think the NLT gets a little bit paraphrasical instead of uh, being a, here's, here's a thing that I'm noticing. You can tell me how you feel about this. If the word translation is in the title of your translation, it's probably a paraphrase. <laughs> if instead they use the word version, yeah. then it's a, it's a translation. <laughs> kind of like, it's kind of like if you have to, I have to tell you that it's a translation. Right. right? Otherwise you wouldn't <laughs> notice that. Right. Uh, so, so the, if the word translation is in the title, it's a, it's going to border on paraphrase yeah. uh, and take some liberties that are undue and un, un, unjust and undue paraf uh, paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a version, uh, NIV, ESV, <laughs> yeah. And I guess NASB doesn't have version in it, but whatever, just a thought, yeah. just an no, observation. That's an interesting observation. I like that. <laughs> uh, then 26, it doesn't slow down at 26. In fact, it might accelerate a little bit. Chapter 26, uh, like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Mm. Mm. You know what? I wish the Proverbs had more Selah. I mean, there's none in here at all. <laughs> but when we talked about Selah, meaning like just stop for a moment. Just yeah. stop reading. Don't read anymore. Just sit there and think about that. <laughs> that, is, that is deserving of Selah right there. Yeah. <laughs> Are we giving on? honor to fools and recognizing foolishness um that'll change what you watch on tv 
mm. or how you TikTok or how you mm. handle yourself on YouTube and those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot about fools, actually. This that yes. I especially I I noticed 26 the, the the this whole idea of of being a fool or acting foolishly is is really the key key aspect here right and 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 Mm -hmm. so and so we get these kind of and we get those two verses that we kind of mentioned uh last week or the week before about seeming contradiction right about answer not a fool according to his folly lest you be like him yourself and then answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own eyes and again context is the key to understanding when to apply one and when to apply the other there are times when you're in when you're in a circumstance where someone is saying something foolish and the best thing for you to do is just not say anything. Right. right? Um, they'll bring you down. That's what it's saying, right? They'll bring you down. They'll drag you into it. Yeah. And next thing you know, you'll be arguing just as passionately yeah. and in such an ungodly manner as they so, are. So it can happen. I, I, yeah, I've fallen prey to this on social media. I got to be careful. Um, right. The second one says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So there are contexts where someone is an error. Someone is spouting nonsense. Someone is, you know, uninformed or, or acting wrongly. And it's, it's important that you pull them aside and have that conversation with them and correct them so that they don't think that what they're doing is right or what they're saying is true. Um, but again, the, the context is, is key there. Right. And so um, it takes wisdom to determine which proverb to apply when. Um, yeah. But- and, and I think just to put that into practice, you can see it happening, both happening in the same, in the same scenario. Right. Mm. So, for example, let's say someone posts something on Facebook that says, you know, I, I don't want to open up a door. So I'm just going <laughs> to say they, they put on the, uh, they put on Facebook something like, you know, ABC as a statement uh, and then cite a Bible verse that is misquoted. Right. Right. Um, and you could, you could respond to that by saying, actually, the passage says this. You've answered a fool in their folly. Mm. Right. Now, if that person, instead of taking that, just wants to become irate and say, well, yeah, I recognize that, but don't you think it's still true that blah, 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 blah. Maybe at that point, it's time to just stop answering the fool mm-hmm. in their folly, yeah. right? You've pointed them to truth and you're not going to get dragged into this argument. Yeah. You're just going to say, hey, you know what? Um, you know where I stand on that and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's, that's wise. <laughs> Yeah, because that's that's one of the key things again with all these proverbs, and we we you know we we went in uh, in on this last week, but we can, we can talk about it again. Is part of being wise also knows when to apply the proverbs at the right time and when not to apply them. Right? That's, yeah, that's part of the wisdom. Wisdom isn't just memorizing and just blindly just implementing them on mass. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is it is understanding the nuances of 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 human interaction and just life in general and knowing when, when, which advice is, is best taken. But to still cling to them and to still learn from them and not to just give up on them. Otherwise, otherwise you're a fool and like a lame man's leg, which hangs useless is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Oh man. That's Verse seven. I was set up just perfect. I, yeah. 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 You like that segue, that good radio. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It, like it's going to hinder you, right? Like, so, so knowing the Proverbs, but not applying them well, not, not understanding how to use them is actually going to be a, a hindrance, right? I, I, man, okay. I don't know if you can resonate with this, but for me, sometimes when you get advice from someone and they're not really the kind of person that you would want to emulate <laughs> they're 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 not you know they they themselves might fit the description of of a fool and and they're kind of spouting some kind of advice to you that is just doesn't fit in the context it's just not you know it's some kind of proverb whether it's biblical or cultural or whatever it is and you're just like dude just stop <laughs> So let me, let me tell you a story about this, right? So last week I was uh, on Twitter where all righteousness occurs. And, um, and so I'm scrolling through and there's this, there's this tweet out from this uh, guy who would consider himself a creative. Uh, he was a, a Christian artist for a while. Him, he put out an, a, one amazing album and then decided he was maybe a bit wise for Christianity um, and has since turned sort of like this pantheistic, just sort of like depth for depth sake kind of thought thing. <laughs> and so he makes the post, he makes the post, he says, uh, heaven is not a place we go to to achieve perfection. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. Heaven is when you realize that you're already perfect. And like Twitter explodes with, please tell me this is not heaven. Yeah. Please. If this is all the hope that I have yeah. is that this is as good as I'm going to get. And this is as good as the world's going to get. You've got to be crazy. And so the way the guy backs himself out of it, mm. like instead of just saying, oh, you're probably right. My bad. Um, he, instead, he tries to back himself out of it by saying, part of your perfection is the desire to see improvement. And, and I stay out of these things. I don't, I don't tweet responses to this, but I, Marshall, I couldn't help myself. And so as lovingly as I could, I just responded to say something like, I'm perfect, but I want to be better. What does that look like other than nonsensical? Right. Right. And, and so that's, that's, that's what happens when we try to be proverbial in our own wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. instead of succumbing to the fear of the Lord and the truth of scripture. Mm. Right. And so, and so in that he has, he's trying to do these proverbial things, but in his own flesh and his own wisdom and, and in what makes him feel good about himself instead of being humbled in such a way that it, it just, man, it just fell on its face. And, oh. and maybe, maybe that was me answering a fool in his folly so that he would not be wise in his own eyes. Maybe, that was a good opportunity for me just to shut up and stay out of it. Um, but it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be completely candid with you, engaging with those kind of universalist, spiritualist, you know, kind of people is more infuriating than dealing with like a staunch atheist. Like I'd rather have a conversation with someone who's just like, there is no God than someone who just doesn't really say anything, but also says everything. Like I just, yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. It's, it's a tough so thing. Tough. Yeah, because anyways, yeah. It's yeah, so we have, some, we have some really famous ones here. 
verse 11, mm-hmm. like a dog returns to his vomit is, the f- is a fool who repeats his folly. Mm-hmm. I know you've probably heard that. I know you've probably repeated that a number of times. I'd still encourage you to take a moment and sit on it mm-hmm. and think about how grotesque it is that we return to our habitual sins. Yeah. Uh, or if not habitual sins, um, sins that we have been redeemed from. Mm. After it talks about the fool, there goes into a lot of talk about what it means to be a sluggard, to be lazy. Mm. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Oh, yes. Verse 20. Oh, so good. Actually, if you go up like 18, 19, um, there's some talk about people that people that will do you harm and after they do you harm come back with i was just kidding man i was only joking right stay away from that that person's out to get you and the i'm only joking is just them covering themselves yeah oh yeah right um then uh then verse 20 Mm. Mm. this is the time for us to check our hearts for lack of wood the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Mm. Selah. <laughs> That's the Tim translation, not version. Right? That's good. <laughs> and then he follows it, like because they do this in couplets, right? Yep. yep. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into victim blaming. That's not what this is. Mm. Sometimes when our lives are filled with stress and strife, Mm. we got to stop and ask the question, how much am I contributing to this? Oh, yeah. Am I the one poking the fire? Am I the one creating this kind of thing? That this is being carried on? If I I stopped answering the fool in his folly, Mm -hmm. would all of this just go away? Or am I being the fool in folly? And I need to just stop creating these messes for myself. This is not universally the case, but sometimes it is. It is not always other people who are the sinful in this world mm-hmm. who need to be brought into righteousness. Yeah. Sometimes I'm that sinner. Yeah, I think if we have you know continual patterns of um, you know animosity and and disagreement and you know just trouble with other people in general, if that characterizes our life, we have to stop and say, okay, am I maybe a common denominator in all of this? Mm-hmm. Right? Like if I can't get on well with this person or that person or this group or that group, you know, it could just be that, that, that the Lord has put certain people in my life and those relationships, you know, are, are trials and, and are, you know, he's using them to refine me. Uh, but it could very well be the case that, maybe there's some, I'm too antagonistic. Maybe I'm not willing to let things go. Maybe I'm not willing to just, just shut my mouth sometimes and, and, and let things pass. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's something, it's worthy of a say lot. It's, it's, it's worthy of just a slowing down and just saying, okay, let me reflect on things because so often we can get caught up in the drama and we realize that we're the ones writing the script. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would say I would say to a person in that um, there there are going to be times when it's not your fault, 
right? There are going to be times when you do, this is not to say it's always your fault and you Mm -hmm. need to deal with with yourself. This is to say in the moments that you're contributing to the problem, you need to deal with self, right? Mm -hmm. That means you can't, you can't do this deep heart search time and say, okay, I see my contribution, but, or I see my contribution. I'm only like that when they, right. Right. Or if they would stop, I would stop. Mm. Right. That's not humility. That's not humbling ourselves before the Lord. And what we have to deal with, we have to deal with the one person we can deal with. And that's self. Yep. Right. Like when, when I have people come in for pastoral counseling, there are a lot of times when I have to say to the person in love, Hey, you know what? That person's not here. So let's work on the people that are here and that we have access to work to. And that's you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it might be that you need to say, I've been put in a place like David was in this place, right? My enemies are all around me yeah. and, and people are coming against me and I need to, I need the rescue of God. Mm-hmm. God sustain me through this. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's fine. If that's your situation. Um, but if it's a situation where we need to pray repentance, even for a portion of the problem, do that, do that thing. And, uh, and don't get into to saying, well, I would be faithful if they would be faithful. We are only accountable to God mm. for our own actions and responses, mm-hmm. not for how other people are acting and responding. Mm-hmm. And if we wait for everyone else to change before we're willing to change, um, that is the essence of pride. Yeah. If things would just always go my way and I were king of this realm, then I would be agreeable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what does God do with proud it's, it's people? Danger. It's <laughs> he danger. Opposes he opposes. Yeah. <laughs> but gives grace to the humble. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Till next time. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>